You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Wednesday edition, the odd game preview today. It looked like it's actually going to happen, Matt. Steelers, Ravens. We'll talk a little bit about that game. We've talked about it enough, so we'll keep it short. There's a few uh, questions from yesterday's two-minute drill that we did not get to that I want to touch on today. And our usual Wednesday, stock up, stock down around the NFL. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock. On Twitter, at Williamson NFL. Matt, you cover the Steelers. I, I have my doubts. It's supposed to come on in just a few hours. Wednesday right. afternoon football. Is this game going to happen? I think so. As of a little afternoon, you know, what's that, four, three and a half hours before kickoff? Things are looking good. It's a, a snowy day here starting yesterday in Pittsburgh. So you'll see some uh, some some white in the stands. Um, the, 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 the PA rules, I hate this part has dropped how many people can be in the stadium now. So there's only 2,500 people. So you'll probably see a lot of white seats and, and whatnot. But I just want to – we, we shouldn't harp on this game very long because it's probably going on or already happened by the time people listen to this. But I just wanted to ask you, do you think the Steelers have any chance of losing it? You know, like <laughs> a, I think, a week yes. or so I go, I'm like, boy, that's the one that's going to re- end their streak. And now – with all this craziness and so few, you know, Ravens are able to play and no Lamar, you know, they're on their third running back, their third center, really depleted on both lines of scrimmage. Do you think that's just an ugly game that everyone wants to be done with? Or do you think the Steelers beat them by 60 or <laughs> does a desperate, you know, massive rival right. pull one off maybe? this It's so weird now. At this point, earlier on in this whole process, I would have said, oh, yeah, Steelers are going to blow them out now. There's no Lamar. It's been confirmed that J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram won't play either. Even right. though they've been activated, they, they couldn't travel with the team, right? So uh, they're still not going to play in this game. Pittsburgh favored by 10 and a half. I would almost give up those points like the Steelers have to roll the Ravens in this game. But there's been so much weirdness and so much on and off with this game. And maybe everyone mentally is just exhausted from the whole ordeal and playing on a Wednesday right. afternoon, which has never happened in my lifetime that I can remember. So it might be odd. There's snow on the ground. Maybe the ball bounces a couple of funny ways. Maybe, uh, you know, the Steelers or the Ravens can make some plays in different ways that teams aren't prepared for because Lamar's not playing. It'll look a little different. Maybe. RG3 makes a throw. Maybe Hollywood Brown breaks out in this game or something crazy like that. Maybe he's really good. Maybe he's a mutter and he's good on the snow with his lightweight. I don't know. I feel like this game could go really bonkers now with just how weird this whole week has been. Yeah, predicting it seems difficult. You know, will the Steelers take it personally and run the score up against their most hated rivals and, you know, wipe them off the floor? Or I know teams don't think this way, but I really think the Ravens, almost have to take the approach of kind of like the Broncos this past week. We're going to take one on the chin. We should get Lamar back. we got a short week coming up. If we finish strong and get this thing back on the tracks after this crazy game, we might see this team again in the playoffs and knock them off, and we might be on our game. I know teams don't do that. You're not just going to go through the motions, but I almost feel like you need the mentality of 
let's just get out of this thing as unscathed as possible. We're really in trouble. We just don't have our guys. And then from here on out, it's full systems go. And the Steelers seem like a team that are the handle your business type of team where even though everything's been weird, they're too good, they're too talented, especially on defense, they're just going to go uh, handle handle the Ravens and go get that W and get out of there. I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to run it up. And I'm assuming we might see some Rudolph in the fourth quarter and that kind of thing. But I don't know. I, I mean, could both teams be flat? Like, I hate quotes like that. Right. I mean, could they both teams be as nasty as possible. I just think it's such a strange situation. I don't know how to predict it. Yeah, it's impossible to predict. So for that reason, I would probably take the points with the Ravens just because I think it could be somewhat close and maybe some snow on the ground. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously the Steelers are favored by quite a big margin for a reason there. But we don't need to spend too much time on that game. We'll cover it all tomorrow. What we see on Wednesday afternoon, I am in the position that I'm going to get to see it. I don't know how many people are even going to watch this game. So people are going (laughs) to maybe need to tune in to find out what happened on our uh, Thursday show, uh, which we usually use to talk about um, the upcoming games with Chris Raybon. So we'll have to have a little segment there uh, about this football game. A question here from one of our loyal listeners. I can only assume he tunes in every single day. This question coming from at DLolly underscore PGH. He said, who's your favorite (laughs) podcast co-host, Matt? Yes, that is from my friend Dale, who I do a Steelers show with every every day. And I will say, Brian, you're my favorite podcast co-host. Yes. Dale, you're my favorite radio po- co-host. So yes, well he didn't done. quite structure it to put me totally on the spot. Well done. Well done. I was fully prepared for you to pick Dale on that one, and I would not have been offended. But uh, yeah, Dale and I are pretty tight, and we, we've had quite a few beverages together, especially at training camp. And I see him every day, and he's been here for my birthday party. So don't take it personal. Yeah, you know what? I've never made the trip for your birthday, so that's on me. <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> you're you're invited next June. 6-6. Okay. June 6th? 6-6, just right, like cool. the Antichrist. I like it. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Continuing our our coaching conversation from yesterday, I think it got a lot of people fired up. Um, this one from the Gridiron Lounge, who are loyal listeners, and they're doing their own pod these days. A couple of coaches talking ball. Uh, yeah. They they have the comment here, the statement, and I want to see if you agree with this, Matt. John Gruden is what everyone thinks Bruce Arians is. Wow. I don't know how to take that. How yeah. do you interpret that? I would interpret that as... The offensive genius is John Gruden letting his quarterback play a little bit, and maybe Bruce Arians is not adaptable, and his um, his offense that you thought was going to go huge with Tom Brady is not as... Um, uh, I'm trying to find the right words for this. Valuable, I kind of... Yeah, I feel like I know where they're going with this. Essentially... People were writing off Gruden, and people think that Bruce Arians is the genius coach who's a quarterback whisperer, and and maybe John Gruden has a little something to say about that with how he's having uh, Derek Carr play right now. My hunch, I mean, this is a not that the rest of the practice squad isn't knowledgeable, but I know these guys know their stuff. So I'm thinking the nature of this question is people think these are two coaches that are stuck in the mud. They're going to do it their way. 
I came up a West Coast guy under Holmgren and all that, and you're going to learn my system if you're here with me and the Raiders. And Arians is going to have deep dropbacks and throw the ball down the field. And I think the crux of the question is, Gruden has adapted to his times and changed and learned from his time away from the game, I think, much more than Arians. If that's not the nature of the question, then I'm wrong. But I see kind of the angle that they're getting at, that Arians still is that 1980s, this is our system, we're going to put the square peg quarterback in the round hole, and your guys are going to make it work, I'm not going to change. You know how we do stock up, stock down, though. One of my stock ups, and this is Tampa Bay being on a buy this week, because I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that this super late December buy, maybe the two of them get to a little more common ground, Brady and, and Arians. But Gruden, I think, is doing coach of the year-like work, although the Raiders are on my stock down after what they just did this past week. They didn't, they didn't help their cause. But I think he's adapted to today's game extremely well. And Mike Sando, good friend of the show, you know, we've had him on. Mm-hmm. He used to talk, back when Gruden did Monday Night Football for ESPN, Sando would go with those guys every Monday, no matter where they're at, and kind of hung behind the scenes and wrote articles. And he would always tell me, he's like, Gruden is taking notes on all these teams for this day to become a head coach again and to implement it as, you know, all the new ideas, real student of the game. Not that Arians isn't, but I think that's the nature of the question. I think that's a great answer for it. Yes. And there, I mean, there are different coaches with different talent on their team that run different offenses. Right. So it's kind of hard to do an apples apples comparison there with what they've had and, and who they have on their roster and how their teams work because they still, you know, you can adapt, but you still have your system, and your system is your system. Tom Brady's age and bedtime can't really be on Bruce Arians, but, <laughs> right. you know, and that's kind of like what you're talking about with the bye week. You know, Tom Brady gets to go to bed early this week, but, um, and, and maybe be a little bit refreshed. So we'll see how that turns. And, like, look, the NFL changes so fast year to year, it changes week to week. So this time next week, when we're talking stock up, stock down, both of these teams could be coming off of huge wins. And, well, actually, the, the, the teams on a bye will not be coming off a huge right. win, but uh, you know we could be looking at these teams a lot differently in a couple of weeks, and one team could be crumbling, and one team could be like, okay, this team is now uh, playing as good as anybody in the NFL. So that's how quickly things can change, and uh, that's how quickly opinions on coaches and players can change a lot of times. Yeah, and I think both these guys are good coaches that are you know established, have a, a nice track record, but I think Gruden is adapted better of late and certainly is having a better year from a coaching perspective. All right. We, a couple more questions of the overflow from yesterday. Since we only tackled, I think two questions on the two minute drill yesterday, let's get to some more of these and our Wednesday stock up stock down next. Can we talk a little bit about getting in shape myself? Definitely legitimately quarantine 15. I know it's a, a joke, but man, that's been real for me. And when it comes to getting or staying in shape, Nothing feels as good as the feeling of accomplishment when you hit your fitness goals and you start feeling great about yourself. You physically just feel better about your day-to-day activities, right? And Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout 
from the comfort of home. World-class instructors motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try Echelon Fitness Equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash NFL. We talked a lot about this yesterday. Dave wants to know whose seat is hotter, Anthony Lynn or uh, Nagy? And I would say for sure Nagy's seat is hotter, even though for me personally, they're both equally hot. And I think I would make a change, even though I don't like calling for people's jobs. I just feel like the vibe around Chicago is that Nagy's job is way hotter than Anthony Lynn's. Yeah, I think we can make this one short. I think you nailed it. You know, like if it were me, they both would be red hot and it'd be very difficult for them to save their jobs at this point. But I think in the real world and owner perception and all that, Chicago's seat is warmer. Which wide receiver in 2019, from that 2019 draft class that's looking so good at, at wide receiver, there's a couple of potential busts in there as well from some high draft picks. Which one of those wide receivers? You only get to choose one to build your offense around Matt. Did you say 2019? 2019 class, yes. So um, Okay, so the second year, guys. Yeah, and, and Coach here goes on to say, uh, I'd like to hear your answer on this. To me, it's easily Brown. I'm thinking A.J. Brown, not uh, Hollywood. And I'm honestly, sure AJ, yeah. honestly, uh, McLaurin's second, he says. They both fit any offense where DK has specific traits that are ideal for the offense he's in. Not that DK wouldn't be great elsewhere, but I think Brown is an animal in any offense. Well, I'm going to reference the Locked On Dynasty podcast. All right. Who I have another, who's another fine co-host, by the way. I'm sorry, Ryan. You're near the top of the list, too. You're a fine fella, and we've been doing it a, a very long time. And in the dynasty world of who, what receiver comes off the board the highest, who has the most value from this point on, and I know that's fantasy, DK Metcalf's number one. A.J. Brown's number two. So... I though I think that's kind of a two horse race for me. I prefer AJ Brown's game a little, but you watch DK just destroy Darius Slay the other night. I mean, there's nobody else like him. I think McLaurin is certainly in the conversation. Last night, Ryan and I did a deep dive on Marquise Brown. You talk about a guy whose stock has fallen through the floor in the dynasty community. He's not in the conversation, but you guys might like listening to that. Um, I think. Deontay Johnson's a good player, a really good player. I think Debo's a really good player. But I think it has to be Brown, Metcalf, or McLaurin. And I think I'd take him in that order. I'm with you on your order. And I get the idea that DK Metcalf might not be as versatile as some of the other guys. But what he can do, the the routes he can dominate on, and how good he could still become is insane. So DK to me is number one. And I know it's a great fit with Russell Wilson, but at the same time, it's like, would he not be doing this if he was with Aaron Rodgers, or right. if he was with Patrick Mahomes or he was, or if he was with Kirk cousins, like Kirk cousins can throw a pretty deep ball sometimes. And, and that's the other thing that DK could do is he can dominate on slants. He's even proven to be better after the catch than I thought he's taken some screen passes to the house just because he's so fast and so big and so powerful. And he would make your quarterback, who's not great at throwing deep balls, better at throwing deep balls, too. You don't have to be a, an amazing deep ball passer to get value in DK Metcalf. So for that reason, it's, it's Metcalf number one because he's more of an alien 
and and I think he'll prove to be that over time. But I understand the idea that A.J. Brown may be more well-rounded, a little better after the catch. Uh, he has disappeared in some stretches. Um, Debo, obviously, the the best after the catch in this group. He's a running back when he gets the ball in his hands. I think with a, with a better quarterback situation this year, we'd have seen more growth, and he's been hurt a lot. So Debo should be in the conversation, but behind those guys and behind McLaurin. So I'd probably go Metcalf, Brown, McLaurin, Debo. Um, am I missing anybody? At the top, is that the Deontay, same order you had? I know I'm, I'm, it's close to home, but I'll, I'll oh, take Deontay really high. Right, I mean, he's the number one here in Pittsburgh. Um, I'd love Deontay five. Johnson. No, I'm with you there. He he belongs in that top five too. I'd probably put him right there with Debo, maybe ahead of Debo, maybe ahead of, well, probably not ahead of the other three. So uh, yeah. I think that's a clear top five for me. I think McLaurin's one of the best receivers in the league. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to brush over him. And what if he was in Green Bay? Or you know what I mean? Uh, wow. I mean, he, his situation hasn't helped him. I'm looking at this list, though. Marquise, Nikhil Harry, Mecole Hardman, Arcega Whiteside, who I never really liked. Yeah, that one was, Arcega Whiteside was the one where, like, how are you taking him over? Because it started to get ridiculous. Like, I get when you're taking some of the other players and you thought maybe there was some stiffness. You weren't sure about DK Metcalf. Maybe the neck injury scared some teams off. But how do you draft Arcega Whiteside over him? And, uh... I mean, or even Andy, Andy Isabella. Isabella. Yeah, what, what is going on there? What do you see with those players? Not that they're not that not that I thought they were going to be as bad as or as unimpactful as they have been. But Arcega Whiteside was somebody I never really liked, and and stylistically, it's like okay, you're going to get a big tall receiver who's just not as good at doing big tall receiver stuff as the guy that you passed on in DK Metcalf. So unless your medical staff just completely flunked DK, I, I don't understand that one at all. Right. Yeah, and, and DK, right. this is in hindsight. DK was my number one wide receiver in the draft. I thought he was a mid first round guy. Like he was too freaky. I mean, one thing I think I've, we've learned since then is if my 14-year-old and all his buddies are picking up teams on the back playground and all these guys are out there, they're all going to say, give me DK Metcalf. And sometimes scouting's that easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And who do you want <laughs> you know? to? And I get like fitting your system or you're like, ooh, we sure. could do so many fun things with Paris Campbell. But it's like, dude, what about this guy who... We've really never seen 6'4", 230 that runs four threes. And he he showed it on tape. He dominated a, a few routes. Like he showed Absolutely. you that he could catch a uh, a slant. And he showed you that he can get deep and, and track the ball and could catch the ball. And tracking the ball is big for being a downfield receiver. He's so fast and he works his butt off like a, a good character off the field too. So uh, just a lot, of, say, like, a lot of teams I didn't missed. know what, that he had this extreme work ethic because... I don't go into, you know, Mississippi and talk to his, his position coaches or whatnot, but every scout should have known this, you know, that I think that you could take one look at him and know he puts some time in, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and real quick, I'm looking at that draft list. The, the ones I listed, you know, some of the bloom is off that rose, you know, I mean, the Hardmans and Marquises, some of those guys haven't quite been so great, but no one really flinched when the Steelers took. Deontay at 66 overall, or the or Washington took McLaurin at 76 because they weren't considered the Metcalf Brown Marquise level prospects. But boy, those two have really shined, especially for where they went. It's odd that Miko Hardman has sort of disappeared this year, expected a lot more there. Yeah. Even when Sammy Watkins has been out, he hasn't really started and, and been heavily involved. That's and I liked what I saw from him in his rookie season. So that's an interesting one there. What if I threw you a curveball and said, how about the 2020 class? Or is that a project for another day? Oh, 
I, I we, we're running out of time here, but let's tease okay. that one. Let's tease that one, and that's a great one we'll, we'll talk about because I've been tracking those rookie wide receivers all year. That would be a fun right stock now. up, stock awesome. down for the 2020 class. Let's let's wait on that one for next Wednesday, and we'll have one more week to okay. watch those guys. I like it. That's that's a great idea, though. I like that a lot. Okay, coming up, let's finish that stock up, stock down. That was a that was a long question there and a, and a good one, and it's always fun to go back and, and look at how players have developed and what they could maybe do on other teams. And Marquise Brown, it's like when you look through that lens, you're like, okay, DK's the one that fell. Marquise Brown, he's 5'9", 160 pounds. It's like, okay, that's your first-round wide receiver. And so there's when you look back, you can see some obvious reasons. And if DK Metcalf would have completely flopped, there would have been some obvious reasons there too. So I understand why he did fall a little bit, but... Again, it's obviously he, an imperfect science. Yes. But I'm also thinking Marquise Brown might just be Deshaun Jackson, Teddy Ginn, you know? Yeah. The, right. the, those 80 yarder or nothing types. I thought he'd be more than that. Which is, uh, which it, is a good, out of his hands, which is a good receiver. But then when you look at this class, it was like, okay, that was the first one selected. And with right. the AJ Browns and DK Metcalfs and, and McLaurin's and some of those going later. Right. Leg. right. <laughs> yes, it's crazy. Yeah, he is. All right. <laughs> more Peacock and Williamson coming up. Our week 12, heading into week 13. Week 12's not over yet. Stock up, stock down. Already talked about getting in shape in this episode. You know we can help you get there when you're looking for a snack is find something healthy. Find something full of protein that's low in sugar instead of a sugary snack that is going to derail your diet. I'm talking about Built Bar. And Built Bar has reset their promo code, by the way, when they relaunched this football season. So if you bought Built Bars, let's say, six months ago, that promo code is going to be relaunched and you can still get 20% off your first order from Built Bar with promo code locked on at builtbar.com. And they have six new flavors to go with it. They've got Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, which is a takeoff of the ice cream flavor, but in bar form, cherry barcia, get it? Uh, Lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp to go with their 12 original flavors. My favorites are peanut butter and salted caramel is pretty good too. I like anything pretty much salted caramel and mint brownie. Uh, They are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, even good for a keto diet feel good about yourself have a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar great for the health conscious folks out there that can help your diet lose maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat that is high in protein go to builtbar.com promo code locked on you'll get 20 percent off your next order promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com Really weird. Just throwing off my whole vibe. We've we've got this plan all week long, and now there's this Wednesday game, and it's like this speed bump in our week. I don't even know what to do about it, but we'll brush that aside for now. And uh, no, a lot all of people... my biorhythms are off. I have no <laughs> idea what day it is. Yeah, I feel it, like it, it's crazy. Like usually, you put in your fantasy waiver wire claims, but this yes. year's this week's fantasy isn't even off yet. You know, it's like it's like Back to the Future. And there's probably some 12, people that do week thirteen stuff. <laughs> there's probably some fantasy uh, owners out there that sat. J.K. Dobbins or Mark Ingram and really needed a running back, and then they heard they were going to play and activated and got super mad because they couldn't put them in their lineup yet, or that decided to put them in, and then now they're not going to play again, so now they have an empty spot, and they're not going to be able to utilize their players. That's such a wild, Uh, wild week right now. Can't wait for it to be over, honestly. Uh, Stock up, stock down, Matt. I'll let you do the honors and kick this one off. What is your uh, latest stock up, stock down around the NFL here as we head into week 13? Uh. Here's a couple names. We had a good Lions conversation yesterday 
and I didn't, I regret not pumping Hawkinson's tires more, you know, that that's kind of a fantasy related thing, but there aren't many great tight ends. I mean, there's a shortage. I mean, Zach Ertz no longer qualifies. Waller's a little up and down. It's Kelsey and Kittle who's missed a lot of time. And I think Hawks like next. I mean, I think he's squarely in that top five for the foreseeable future. I yeah, this is what's weird about the Lions is I expect that he's played well and I expect a little bit more. Is it the offense? Is it the quarterback that wants to push it away from tight ends a little bit more, or like what's missing from him? Just breakout, breakout, and being like, breakout, okay, he's breakout. he's right there. He's next after Kittle and Kelsey. Right. I mean, he was a top ten type of pick. I mean, obviously the the traits are there. You know, he was drafted way ahead of Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle. I mean, those type of guys. Not that he has more talent than any of those, but way is more than Hurts. That is curious. Like, I would kind of hope that, you know, not to the Kittle level, but that he is a featured, featured piece that gets eight to 10 targets every week, no matter what. I want to go to a question that works in with my stock up, stock down on this one. This one from uh, Azaz on Twitter. He said, I know he will never get the love that Quentin Nelson got last year for the Colts and rightfully so but since you are my Twitter go-to offensive line nerds can you give a shout out to Damian Lewis who's having a stellar mm. rookie year at right guard reminds me of a lot of Jerry Evans interesting comp there for Damian Lewis so shout out to Damian Lewis having a great rookie season and sometimes with offensive linemen they get lost in the shuffle and we don't talk about them enough and uh, I think you know there are no there's no fantasy points there for them and, and most people around the league don't talk about offensive linemen enough and I want to add another offensive lineman to that list in the stock up stock down that we haven't really talked about who right now leads not only offensive linemen or guards but all offensive players in his overall grade for the season and pass blocking grade that is Cleveland Browns guard Wyatt Teller. He's even got a better grade than Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes this year with a 93.9 according to Pro Football Focus. And I love going to Pro Football Focus for these things to confirm some things you see on the field and see how those grades match up and see where players are playing well and, and not playing well. Wyatt Teller uh, and Damian Lewis. Let's give them some some love here on this stock up segment of our show. Yeah, I love it. I mean, again, they're not Quentin Nelson that went in the top five and they're not a, a pro bowler every year, maybe when because they shouldn't be. They're not Yonda, Martin, DeCastro that have been around a long time and as a household name type of guard. Um, Lewis has been really, really good. And shorts, very powerful, good leverage player, fits their style of offensive lineman. And don't look now, but Seattle's offensive line isn't bad. Um, Cleveland's offensive line is incredibly improved and they've obviously put a lot of resources in it. Two new tackles goes a long way. Um, but Teller has been extremely good and he missed a little bit of time and was sorely missed. You know, I mean, that's, what's interesting about this Browns team is you look at it and say, first of all, they're pretty good in protection, but that run game isn't just zone over and over and over. Like you'd think it's a very diverse pulling guards, counters, all kinds of different run stuff they throw at you. And it'll be fun to watch them against the Titans this coming week with you know those two run games. I'm going to throw two backs out there, uh, Antonio Gibson and Austin Eklar. I thought Eklar's return was great. I mean, he had a million targets. I forgot how much I like watching him. And Gibson was a guy like in the dynasty world I have no stock of. I didn't really trust him. 
but I'm really impressed. And like, I bet I use like a second round fantasy pick on Antonio Gibson next year. He's starting to take over more receiving roles. He's got a lot of juice, man. He's got a lot of upside. I'm with you on that one. Uh, I I was not quite sure. Was he just going to be a situational guy? Uh, is there yeah. a potential for another running back to be the true workhorse and he slips into a third down role and, and he would be less valuable in the fantasy world? But right now it's like, oof, with what he can do as a, as a receiver, and he's proven he's going to be a pretty good running back as well because you, you never know when someone comes out and there's sort of a tweener between receiver and running back and what's that going to look like. And obviously the talent there physically, he's extremely gifted and super fast and has size. So uh, that's exciting in the fantasy world with your PPR leagues with Antonio Gibson for sure. Yeah, he's really starting to take control of that backfield, and I'm impressed. I have one stock down. Do you have anybody else? I've got one here that's a stock down that I just want to mention that we never really talked about, and it could be a huge story. And uh, this one was from Elise Jesse, who covers the Bengals for Sports Illustrated. And this is, you know, just to go along with the the gut punch that was the Joe Burrow ACL injury and him being done for the year. There's a story about the Bengals locker room culture that as a toxic culture was the quote there. Abusive language towards players, trust issues, zero accountability, according to multiple sources. So. Um, uh, Zach Taylor, uh, the Bengals, your your stark young quarterback goes down for the rest of the year. You get a little bit worried there long term for the Bengals when you really thought things were going in the right direction just a few weeks ago when you when you see a story like this. Hate that because it's something you've heard about the Bengals really since I've been doing this for a living, and they've often, frankly, cut corners on character guys. You know the Burfix and Pacmans and you know a lot of those type of dudes that other teams wouldn't have brought in. And I absolutely think it's contributed to their losing ways. And frankly, it starts with ownership for allowing it and promoting it. But I kind of felt like they were turning the corner in that regard. I mean, their last couple of drafts, they haven't taken a guy with a uh, you know red flag. And I think that they've been addressing it a smarter and a new coach. And I really think Burrow has the possibility to change those things because he is such a, a great leader, but he's a rookie. I mean, culture's hard. And boy, that's just, I, I don't like hearing that because if something derails Burrow from being great, it could be his surroundings. And it, it's hard to know exactly where this is coming from. And it, it, she says there's multiple sources here, which has to be key in this. There's one player who a coach is just dogging and down on. It's like, you, you'd probably be surprised even in this day and age, you know, how much colorful language there might be in a, in a situation with coaches and, and trying to get the most out of their players. So um, culture-wise, do the, do the coaches have answers? Or, or is your team on a path to winning? And where a lot of times a, a player might who have had some things said to him by a coach that's trying to get something out of him early in his career realizes, oh, look, this is what he was trying to get me to do. And now I love this coach. So uh, it's, it's hard to say exactly what the abusive language part of it is because language is colorful in uh, even the, the rosiest of NFL locker rooms and, and football <laughs> locker rooms. But locker I mean, just a, a lot of bad news there coming out of Cincy. I have no idea who this person is and I don't know if he or she was dialed in. I didn't even know who had the report. But I will say, you know, we mentioned Dale Lawley, my co-host, who's been doing this since like the you know early 90s. He's told me over and over, because of COVID this year, you really don't have any clue what's going on with the team compared to other years. I mean, usually you are at a locker. You are in a locker room. I mean, none of these, none of these um, beat reporters are in locker rooms. Some of them don't even get to go to practice. You're on Zoom calls and things. You're not getting the scoops you used to. 
And you have to worry about mental health league-wide, and this is, has to be weighing on players and being away from families and weighing on yeah. coaches, and you have a bunch of losing, and then you lose your quarterback. I can imagine things where where some uh, this offseason might be really good for a lot of teams um, organization-wide to step back and, and just have that pressure off of them for a bit and, and reset for going into next year. I got one quick stock down that's kind of hard to say. Teddy Bridgewater. He's so easy to root for, you know, coming back from injury. He's had good points of his career. I just think that he's never going to be a top 20 quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he dumps the ball off too much. His traits aren't overwhelming. He has no trump card. I think he's much more Andy Dalton than he is, you know, long-term starter or answer. Yeah, game manager, stopgap quarterback. When you see yeah. that he needs to make a play and needs to put a team on his back, he's not that guy. And they paid him to be a true starter with Carolina. But you have to be looking for the next guy, I think, if you're them. And he's a great story. And you like having him in your locker room and on your team. And for the situation he's in, I think he's a fine fit for Carolina. But I think he's one of those players where it's like, yeah, he's he's fine, but you need to you need something better in this league if you're going to try to win a whole bunch of games. Right. Like Garoppolo and Cousins are top 20 quarterbacks all day long. I don't think Teddy can get to their level. I agree. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. And it's tough. I mean, there's you just mentioned there's 20 there's 20 people in the world that can be at that right, level. Right. And and really teams are those fans are trying to replace those guys too that that are in the that are in the 10 to 20 range. So uh, it's more like 10 guys where you're like, "Okay, cool. Let's do this." Right. Uh, who knows? All right. Good stuff, Matt. Always fun to look around the league and do stock up, stock downs, and bring up some names that we don't get a chance to talk about uh, every week here on the program. Did we miss anybody? Feel free to hit us on Twitter at BDPeacock, at WilliamsonNFL. We'll break down Steelers and Ravens. Crossing my fingers, that's actually going to happen Wednesday afternoon. We'll break that down Thursday. We'll have our friend Chris Raybon joining us again and making his six-pack of best bets for the Week 13 Sunday schedule right here. Peacock and Williamson.